Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture this morning. We're going to begin with Psalm 23 this morning. I realize this is a psalm you all know well, and most of you can probably quote it, and that's a good thing. I invite you to hear it this morning from the lips of the psalmist. I invite you to let it be your every day, your every hour kind of prayer. Open your hearts to be blessed by these words as you hear. Hear them from the scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Please be seated. This is, quite simply, the most familiar of all the Psalms. It is also, quite possibly, the most popular passage in Scripture, at least the ones that, the one that people are most familiar with. Probably because it is read so often and so much in particular times of our lives, especially in the times of loss, when someone close to us has died and we are grieving their loss. But also, it is read at the hospital beds or the home beds of many people who are preparing to meet Jesus, who are getting ready to go and be with him. It is mumbled under the breath when people are accosted by their enemies in the world. I'm sure it is on the hearts of every person who is facing martyrdom for the kingdom of God. I'm quite sure that there are no other words in Scripture, even including the New Testament, that are any more powerful than these very words. And when we begin to grasp the context of the passage of Scripture throughout both the Old and the New, when the writers speak about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, that we are drawn to those ideas by a powerful, powerful pull, even the pull of the very presence of God. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it can be troubling. But it's not the only time we remember this passage. This passage is all of that for comfort and for grief, but it's oh so much more. It is, as I was telling the children, a passage of Scripture that draws out for us the confidence with which we can live when we recognize and have tuned our lives to following after the Good Shepherd. It is at that point that God is most real to us. This shepherd, as you go on to read it as I just did, it shapes our image of God. It reminds us that God is our shepherd. And that is a powerful image. Now, I know that most of us aren't sheep farmers, right? We're not sheep ranchers either. In fact, in Texas, you know, there are more cattle than sheep, right? Uh, but that doesn't have anything to do with the power of the image. The power of the image to the first people was so prevalent in everyday life. 
In fact, it was probably being said constantly around most villages, you know, everyone needs a good shepherd. You know, they're probably watching the young men growing up, wondering if one of those young men will become the shepherd of their flock, especially if they had no male children. Somebody had to tend to the flock. Someone had to care for them. And when you were talking about a shepherd looking for someone, everybody knew their value and everybody needed one. Now, some of the reasons that they needed one was because of the vigilant care. The love for which a shepherd gazed upon the sheep. The shepherd is always concerned with the safety of the sheep. They were a valued commodity. They were not only food and clothing, or the source of food and clothing, they were the source of trading and bartering with other persons. They were at the very center of their commerce and life. So a vigilant care for the sheep were very, was very important. Now, you ever have any sheep? You know how smart they are, right? You've heard it over and over again how smart sheep are, or I would more correctly say aren't, right? They just get in all kinds of trouble unknowingly and unwittingly unless they have a shepherd who stays vigilant in caring for them. Not only is he vigilant, but he must be reliable. That's what the staff is all about, to protect the sheep from the wolves that would attack the flock. The shepherd was also their guide who led them to places where they found food daily and where they found their daily water. A place where he took them as he stood by the gate and counted them to make sure they were all there as they came into the pen at night. Nothing was more important than this image of the shepherd to the people of Israel. And so when the psalmist wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, and personalized it in that way, he was making a very strong statement. Now, what if I were to tell you that in our culture, where we live, that having Jesus as your shepherd is the most necessary, important thing in all of life. It's the essential ingredient, if you will. It is the one thing that you can't live an abundant life without, without Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, as probably some of the kids were, man, if you think about the things you want in life, that list is long, right? And the culture in which we live uh, is quite different. As young as I am, you know how young I am, right? I mean, the things that we call necessities now were very much luxuries or even unheard of when I was a young boy. Who, who in the room doesn't have a cell phone? Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, I can remember when they first came out. Somebody says, I don't have a cell phone. You're a lucky person. But we think a cell phone is now a necessity, right? In fact, the discussion begins when your children are about in the third and fourth grade starting to tell you how necessary a phone is for their life. Now, if you're wise, you say, uh -uh. But anyway, that's another story, right? Another sermon. But the reality is we have so many necessities in our life that it's hard for us to recognize the things that are truly needful in order to have an abundant life. And because we live in a culture of such rugged individualism and the idea of self being self-made, struggling hard to accomplish all we can in our American culture, we also have a kind of pride in being able to take care of ourselves. So to stand up here and say the most important thing in your life is the presence of a shepherd 
who will meet all of your wants and needs, is to say something that most people probably think, well, that's quaint, that's, but that's really naive. I mean, what good is a shepherd if you're dying from cancer? What good is a shepherd if you can't provide food for your children? What good is a shepherd if you're burning up with pain from an illness and you, you're stuck between this world and the world to come? What good is a shepherd when you look out around you and you're frightened by the idea that might be a terrorist even now in some place threatening the lives of people? We are so stressed out about the things that we think we need and must have as necessities in our lives that it's even all the more reason to believe that we need a shepherd. Think about our lives. We live in the midst of traffic gridlocks. You know, I, I found a way to miss a lot of traffic. I had to move from up north down south. Which used to in my life, I would have thought of if I moved south toward Dallas, I'd be getting in worse traffic. But then I lived in Frisco and the surrounding area. And sometimes just getting to work was stressful. Well, there's some people that drive an hour and more every day just to get to work. Wow. That's stressful. Gridlock is stressful. I don't know why people just won't get out of my way when I'm going somewhere, right? And when I was up north, there were only two roads that came south. And one was clogged. The other one was automatically clogged, too. So it was trying. Now, I have to drive through a lonely neighborhood with very few cars on the street at 30 miles an hour, and I get here in 10 minutes, maybe 11 if I catch a red light. Hardly see anybody. It's heaven, right? Gridlock and stress can be... Um, Tended to in the day in which we live, but some cannot. What about the people who are continuing to be pressed to work more and more hours? I remember as a freshman in college attending a class where it talked about how short the American work week was going to get because we had so many inventions to do our work for us. How many of you are working 30 hours a week now instead of 40? How many get away with just working 40? Not very many, right? I mean, we live in a world that's ever increasing the stress on the American worker. It's not getting better in that regard. It's actually getting worse. And to make matters worse, we have that thing on our hip. Mine's in my desk on Sunday mornings at least. You know that thing that rings and so work goes on for some people literally seven days a week. Somebody's calling them about something where they're working. They're re expected to respond. But it's not just those kind of things. What about economy that struggles? We've been sitting still, it feels like, for a long time. What about the struggles that youth have in school? The, the, the process of education gets more and more difficult, more and more demanding upon youth and children. How about relationships? Who can we have relationships with? Which relationships are safe? Where are my children safe? There are so many things that, that disturb us. We don't always know how to deal with all that stress. We're surrounded at times by hurting and angry people. The search for meaning in life goes on. The struggle with having enough is real for many people. And some, some people who are actually thinking about retirement are wondering what that will be like. How will I function? Who will I be? Will I have enough? Will I have enough to buy my medical insurance as I get older and older? Will I be able to cope? And then there are, of course, those people who are struggling with life and death issues, right? What a stressful time it can be in our lives. You don't understand the sandwich generation, right? Those years when you have aging parents and children on the other end, and parents are caught in the middle being pulled in both ways. Yes, you understand that, right? 
And then there are those times as your children get older and when they go off to college and you don't have to worry about them anymore. I don't know how that worked for you. It didn't quite work that way for me, but it's a nice thought. So stress is everywhere and around us. So if stress is everywhere and around us and the realities of living are hard, and there are many things that we need to provide in the sense of thinking they're all necessities, I'm saying to you something so simplistic that I realize how it sounds. In the midst of all those stresses and struggles, the first necessity, if not the only necessity, to an abundant life is to have Jesus as your shepherd. You say, well, how can that be? It's simple. When you have Jesus as your shepherd, then everything else in your life is empowered and brought to life by the presence of God in your life. You see, whenever you take Jesus as your Savior, your suffering takes on a different atmosphere. Your struggle takes on a different atmosphere. Your need for more and more and more becomes lessened by receiving more and more of the presence of God in your daily life. Having that sense of the importance of Jesus is so clear in the 23rd Psalm written long before Jesus made his earthly appearance. Now, but there's another passage of Scripture in the New Testament that also talks about Jesus as a shepherd in a kind of a different way and adds yet some more imagery that's important to us. From the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter, we find these words about the shepherd. In the context of an ongoing discussion with those who were Israelites, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he puts forth, when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his name and his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Sometimes people make it sound like all God wants us to have is a slice of bread and a drink of water each day, and we should be happy. That's, just, that's not abundant living, is it? That's not what the, the text is talking about in the Gospel of John. Jesus came to offer us a fullness of life that was larger than our need for physical bread. It makes what we have special. It is received by us from the perspective of what God has provided for us will sustain us in any and every circumstance of life. He is that door to the sheep. Here on these Sundays following Easter, we should be centered in, if at no other time of the year on these days, 
of reminding, of being reminded who Jesus was for us and what he accomplished for us. To think about the fact that Jesus is the door that we walk through to the Father for everlasting life, for eternal life, which is about a quality of living as well as about the number of years, is a gift that dwarfs all other needs in our lives. I, I guess the hardest lesson for all humans to learn who have our feet solidly planted in the soil is simply this. Life is so much larger than these years we spend on earth. And yet that is probably the most difficult lesson for us to learn. It's hard because we are people of the flesh. We are people of the earth. We, are, we need this oxygen we breathe, and we cling to life naturally. It's inborn in every one of us that we struggle to live, to be sustained. It's hard for us to imagine what that world beyond this world is like. We can't touch it. We can read about it. We can't see it. But we can know it by faith is real in our hearts. And when people have the, the man Jesus first in their lives and they're seeking to follow his ways, then as he said in another book, in another place, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you that you're anxious about. We are a very anxious people, aren't we? We have become used to a lot of the physical things of this world. And we have... Slowly but surely, over the years, bought into the concept that we are kind of self-made people. If you ask many, many parents in the world what the most important thing for your child in life, they might say to get a college education so they'll be able to take care of themselves. They might say that they marry well so that they'll be a, have, have a great companion in life, one who will help take care of them. They might say that they'd be free from, raised to be free from illness or serious injury as they're growing up. There's so many things that we want for our children, right? But the most important thing we need to want for our children is something we'll be celebrating next Sunday in this congregation as we confirm nine of our youth, our youngest youth, who are taking that step from being children into youth, who are making their own decision to follow Jesus, who are claiming for themselves that the Lord is their shepherd. That, my friends, is the most important thing we have to offer our children. And by the way, we've been talking for a while about what we're going to do as a congregation in our neighborhoods as, as we have the vision of reaching them all. And we wonder, how are we going to do that? I suggest to you an image, an image of a shepherd that we are going to shepherd the people of God as Jesus would shepherd them. We're going to love them. We're going to provide for their basic needs as best we can. We're going to lead them toward Jesus and a faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to let them know that we love them and care about them. Even as Jesus knew the name of all of his sheep and knows each of us by name today, we need to learn their names. They need to become not just numbers or statistics or people to us. They need to be the very sheep who need a shepherd. After all, what else do we have to offer them? We offer them Christ. We offer them a God who cares and loves them. We reach out to them. 
and in reaching out to them, they begin to consider, why would you care about me? And when they discover that you love them as you were first loved by Jesus, then they too want to know more about that Jesus. It's a beautiful thing in our children as they grow up with that knowledge and understanding. It's a beautiful thing to become a part of the body of of Christ step by step. All a part of the process of being a mature follower of Jesus Christ as years go by. But for many, they can't get to first base because they just don't have a shepherd. Everyone needs a shepherd. And in God's eyes, everyone deserves a shepherd. And in God's plan, we are the shepherds that are being sent to the people of God to show them in concrete ways that we love them, that we care about them, that we're praying for them, that we have their lives on our minds. Now, what we celebrate today at the table of Holy Communion is the most physical expression of how much God loves us. The shepherd who gave his life for us becomes the shepherd that we follow and offer to other people. It's why this table is open. It's why it's the table of the Lord. It's not the United Methodist table. It's the table of the Lord that anyone that wants to come can come in fellowship with the Lord and hear the Lord call them by name. Anyone, regardless of your stance or place today, if you are seeking to be in the presence of God, you are welcome to this table. Jesus will meet you here. And you will be able to hear him say your name. Deep down inside, for only you and God 